Hello and welcome to That's So Craven. We are now streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Twitch. Make sure you follow us on all social media and subscribe to be notified when a live recording starts. Please, please, please share That's So Craven with your Fulham friends to keep our community growing. We hope you enjoyed today's episode and come on you whites. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire, mind and senses purified. Freed from desire. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from Down Under. We're here today with Elton and Sam to discuss the Arsenal game coming up on Sunday. Fulham are gunning for form after a disappointing result against Brentford, where we went down 3-2. Looking to turn things around, here to discuss it all, we have Elton. How are we going? Hey Jack, how's it going? And uh, hello to everyone listening. And Sammy, how are we Sammy? What's up party people? Sam doesn't sleep anymore, but he's very happy to be here. A little bit manic. Mm. Oh dear, one of those days for Sam. Right, well, (laughs) let's get straight into it anyway. Uh, So Sunday, uh, Fulham play Arsenal, hosted at Craven Cottage. Uh, Obviously, the game against Arsenal earlier this season at the Emirates. Uh, Fulham had a really good start to the season. Um, Unfortunately, that game just slipped out of our our hands, a 2-1 loss with a very late goal from Arsenal in that game. Um, Dad, you know, Arsenal been flying... Pretty much all season, um, sitting quite comfortably on top of the Premier League at the moment. How do we? Uh, well, how are we expecting this game to play out? Well, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? When we last uh, met Arsenal, I think we were incredibly optimistic. This was a very new uh, Fulham side in terms of the energy. Anything was possible. It was the beginning of the season. No one really knew where where teams sat relative to each other. And it we're, we're, let's be quite frank here, we're going through a difficult patch. We just seem to be running out of gas. Um, we seem to, well, we're not seem to, we're hitting Arsenal kind of a little bit on the ropes. Um, our key guy is uh, somewhere in the Algarve uh, sipping on a cocktail. Um, and... Um, it, it, it all seems quite difficult. You know, we need to find a way to inject some energy back into this. And I think, um, if I'm honest, I, I, I'm just hoping we turn up and give them a really good game and don't get battered. Is that too negative? Uh, I think that's um, kind of fair. Based on the, the, my, the most recent performances, I think that's probably a fair assessment that... You know, we're going to the side top of the Premier League. Uh, no matter the season you're having, when you play the team on top of the league, you you kind of go there expecting to lose. I think this season we've been pretty positive throughout. Um, but, Sammy, as as Dad mentioned, we're obviously missing Polina and um, it has had a big impact. We saw that during the Brentford game, how, how badly he's missed. Do you think if we did have Polina, we'd be looking at this game slightly differently? Or do you think either way it's going to be a tough ask. Yeah, honestly, probably not. I genuinely don't see how we win this game. Like, I'm I'm fully here to wax lyrical and like fully get into this and break this down. And because I think it's always it's always interesting when you compare teams like this. But honestly, even with Polina, I just think they're actually a really good team with a very good structure 
and uh, like they play very cohesively and very very well so i yeah i i i, I think they're really really strong and even with palina they like if like if you look at players like odegaard and shaka and what how they essentially control games i think it's extremely overwhelming and that's not even taking into account their front line and essentially the amount of pressure that they put on it's it it's a huge ask even for a big boy like Polina. like there's like five players going at like you at any given time for like the first half an hour so yeah look forward to it <laughs> You don't sound like you're looking forward to it. Let's have I a look do. at some <laughs> recent form, though. Obviously, Fulham on the left here. Um, Brentford's lost 3-2 that game, but really Fulham have managed to eke out some results. The 2-0 win against Leeds in the Cup, one all draw against a strong Wolves side, a 1-0 win against Brighton, and the 2-0 win against Forest. Still picking up points, despite maybe not the most um, classically beautiful performances, but... Uh, it's kind of what you need uh, in any season. You need to still pick up points no matter how you go. And then Arsenal in their last five games, a 3-2 win against Bournemouth most recently. That was the 96-97th minute winner that they scored yeah. there. Um, a 4-0 demolition of Everton. Uh, a 1-0 win against Leicester. A 4-2 win against Aston Villa. And then the 3-1 loss to Man City, which was a few weeks back. Um, Dad, just looking at that, I know we talk about Arsenal being you know, a very strong side. But if if we look at some of their results, um, maybe excluding the Everton game, um, you look at they've recently played Bournemouth, Leicester and Aston Villa, all sort of uh, either, you know, down the bottom of the table or lower mid-table at the moment. Bournemouth was a last-minute winner. Villa, they were 2 all with about 10 minutes to go. And the, their fourth goal was after the keeper came up for a corner. Leicester, 1-0 win. Do you think there's potentially... Um, an opening there for Fulham because they're not blowing teams away except for the Everton game, obviously, but we know that Everton aren't exactly strong this season. Um, But do you think maybe we shouldn't be too doom and gloom about this because, you know, they they are conceding goals. They conceded two to Bournemouth, two to Villa. Um, Maybe, maybe there is a chance here to get a result. Can I, can I, 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 can I go just one point, just one point. Bournemouth, they came from two nil down to go three nil back up. That was that was like really impressive. So I feel like you're a little bit underselling that. No, Dad, no, uh, I'm 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 not no, underselling no, no, no. it. But at the end of the day, you you win three two with a last minute winner. It doesn't matter if you come from two nil down or if you were two nil up and still win with a last minute winner. It it's showing that there is the opportunity to potentially get an upset. If Bournemouth can score two goals, why can't Fulham? Uh, so thank you jack thank you sam i um i agree with you i agree with you that um uh, notwithstanding the fact that like all very good teams they are getting results regardless of no i wouldn't say regardless of performances but uh, allowing modest teams to score goals against you is not a champions league winning kind of side in my view Mm. Unfair, but may, maybe no, not. I, I don't think so. Um, so, the very fact that Bournemouth, you know, got a couple of goals on them, brilliant, brilliant for the, for Arsenal to come back and win at three two, and, and Arsenal fans were excited and ecstatic to have nicked the game 
from them. And I understand that because it has a very bright and wet feel about it. But, um, yeah, uh, they, they, they should be destroying Bournemouth, really. Um, and Everton, are Everton really... Uh, yeah, four four goals, four nil against Everton is kind of what you'd be expecting against modest teams. Mm. Um, so, unfortunately, unfortunately, you could regard this game as a free hit for us, and it is at home, and that's great. But up to now, unless Marco Silva can pull something out of the hat and somehow regas these players and put them in an oxygen tank for a couple of days and have them, you know, spring out of the um, out of the blocks on Sunday and do something very, very different from the from kickoff from the Brentford game. It's great to have a, a bit of a free hit, but you need to be energised in order to take best advantage of a free hit. And I'm, I'm, I'm just mm. concerned that we, for, for a number of different reasons, uh bouncing back with high energy to 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 sort of really take this one on might be a little bit too tough for us i think that's that's pretty fair um you know that it is a free hit and sometimes you do get results off the back of free hits and i know at the start of the season we said we weren't going to talk about free hits when when we started performing well because we should look to win every game but there there does seem to be an element of fatigue setting in at the moment and um it's potentially mental fatigue physical fatigue um but they they don't quite look 100 percent at the moment we've seen a dip in form from Pereira. we've seen you know a, a well covered dip in form from mitro um there's a couple of little errors slipping in from the defense that we're not really used to this season um i saw you know robinson Who's been pretty good all season? Got really comfortably turned on the weekend for for um, what turned out to be the winning goal for Brentford, and we just haven't seen that this year. And then when you take out Polina from your starting eleven, um, it it does make a bit of a difference. And so I think it's going to be a tough game. And you know, I, I don't fully agree with Sammy when he said I can't see how we can win this game. I I think there's always a way to win these games. But this is going to be a really tough one. Um, and I, I agree that there's, there doesn't seem many ways we can win this game. But I think it's it's definitely not out of the question. Um, I think the... Uh, sorry, Jack. No, no, sorry, go Jack. ahead. I, I think the Metro flat spot is actually a massive factor as well. Uh, if Metro was scoring goals and Metro was um, fit because I'm suspecting he's not 100% fit and mm. therefore doing all those other things around the ground that Metro normally does, which really does inject an awful lot of life and creativity going forward into this Fulham team. I think that's a big fi- uh, factor that, that we're missing at the moment as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we are we are scoring goals from elsewhere, but without your main striker scoring goals. And as, as we sort of covered uh, in the last podcast, he's only managed two since the World Cup. Um, and I don't think he scored since the Leicester game, which was very early January. Um, when you're missing 
that outlet. And, you know, we all know that Mitro's a form player as well. So the rest of his play is definitely being affected by his lack of goals at the moment. And look, I, I think a goal against Arsenal would do him a world of good. Um, it, it's it's possible, though, and likely, if you look at the goal difference Arsenal have had this year and how good their defence has been most weeks, um, that we might see another blank from Mitro. And then we've obviously got Man United after that, which, you know, they did concede seven on the weekend, but uh, I wouldn't guarantee Mitro scoring either. Um, so it could, it could be a little lean period again. And we do need that little boost, like you said, just to, you know, just to improve a bit of morale maybe or something. Something needs to change. And um, I, I think it's it's tough when you don't have your full first team out there either. Um, and, you know, it's fine sometimes when you're missing one player who's, uh, you know, a decent team player. But when you're missing someone like Polina who is – probably going to win player of the season for Fulham this year. It's between him and Leno. Um, maybe Tim Ream as an outside chance as well. But realistically, Polina, player of the season, signing of the season, when you take him out, it does make a big difference. And, and we are, we're we starting to see that in the results. Um, Sammy, on the screen now, I've just put up a predicted 11 for this game. Um, I'll just run through it. It's actually the same 11 that I predicted in the last game. Um, with Leno in goal. Uh, across the back, we've got Robinson, Ream, Diop and Tete. Uh, in the midfield, we've got Lukic and Reed sitting behind Pereira. On the wings, we've got Solomon on the left, William on the right, and we have Mitro up front. Um, uh, it was actually the first time I've predicted uh, a lineup all season, which is kind of crazy. But yeah. um, do you think we're going to go with the same 11, or do you think after... What was kind of a disappointing performance? Uh, Silver's going to make any changes? I think, honestly, I. Oh, it sounds raucous to say it, but I'm not. Sh- I'm not fully sure if William starts, or even if. Uh, I guess Solomon does start because yeah, five five goals in five games. Um, not to say that William played badly, but um. I think for a game like this, he's probably more likely to start Bobby on the right. But again, I don't really know how Silver's brain fully works. He's kind of a mystic in that respect. Um, Sasa Lucan, like you don't have an option, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, you go. No, just to go back to your point on Willian, I, I do kind of see where you're coming from. The one thing to take into account, though, is Willian is playing against his old team and he does have a bit of a point to prove. He had a really, really bad spell at Arsenal mm. um, where the fans, you know, were on his back constantly. He didn't perform to the level he would have wanted to perform. Yeah. Um, and so maybe that's one of those games, and we saw it against Chelsea where he was just on fire. Maybe it is one of those games where Willian actually starts and changes the game, even if he's been a little bit off the last few weeks because he's just got that extra little edge because of the nature of the fixture. I, 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 I like that narrative. I don't necessarily believe that, like, that's William's nature. He seems, like, a bit too calm and, like, respectable, I guess, to be that level of petty. Like, if it's if, if Mitrovic is in the exact same scenario, oh, 100%. But no, it's, it's he, not pettiness. It's a, it's a want to prove yourself. I don't think it's petty to want to beat your old team. Yeah, but like, I almost like I know he went to Arsenal, but 
it never really felt like he was an Arsenal player. I can, so I can see where you're coming from, but I just, I don't know. I just don't necessarily, I almost feel that he's just kind of put that totally behind him. Like, I, I don't know. I feel I feel that like him scoring a goal against Chelsea would probably mean a little bit more because those they they really are the team that let him let him go and kind of just said, "Well, we're a little bit done with you." Arsenal was a weird period in like the the Willian narrative story. It's it's almost like if it was like a film, they you know they would just kind of like cut that bit out, just be like, "Yeah, we don't we don't really talk about that." Well, we talk about the no, redemption story. no. If if you look at, I'm looking at a quote from Willian here. Just after a year at the club, Willian described it as the worst time he had had, the worst time he had lived as a professional. So yeah. I think if you talk about yeah, a, a time at a club like that, that's that's pretty bad. Considering as well that was he mentioned that after he spent time in Brazil and basically got. Oh, that's a big call. Club. Yeah, yeah, I was about to say like the fact that um, he's putting this time at Arsenal over that. Yeah, so look, I you want me? You uh, made, you've probably got a point there, to be honest. Like, I didn't know he like viewed it worse than his time in Brazil. Like, that's yeah, that's a lot. Dad, do you, I do agree with Sam though? I think the link that BDR has, and I know you've talked about it a fair bit. Do do you think BDR gets a start because of the relationship he has with Tete and how well they seem to work that wing together? And do you think maybe it's the same for Willian on the left with Robinson and we do sort of revert back to that and keep Solomon on the bench because of it? Yeah. Well, it's a really difficult one. I think the bigger question uh, is 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 wh- whether you play Willian or Solomon on the left. Yeah. To, to me, I think that's the, the really big question. We, we keep saying that um, William's cool on the left or the right, career-wise, he's... He's played, you know, his fair share on both sides. And I don't doubt that he's capable there, but perhaps his game style of receiving the ball is better suited to uh, Robinson than it is to Tete. Maybe as simple as that. Um, Not just that as well. I think it's the fact that he's got such a good relationship with Robinson. Um, And, you know, they seem to have this ability to not look up but know exactly where each other is. And he just doesn't have that with Tete because he hasn't played on that wing, which is fine. Um, and if I was a maybe, manager, if I was a manager, yeah, yeah. I would I would be going with that every time, you know. And but I'd that then thinking, puts Solomon on the bench. No, yeah, no, I put Solomon on the right. I put Solomon on the right, and notwithstanding the fact that Solomon is pro- probably happier on the left, I think he's actually playing better. Uh, than BDR and he's better quality than BDR and I'd back him to if he gets the ball to do something incredible. He's that good. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not sure if Solomon has played on the right at all in his career. Um, he probably has, but I, I'm not 100 percent sure. But they switch, um, they switch, and he doesn't seem uh, overly out of position when he when he is there. And I think if you know what I'm saying is, if you look at the sum of the parts there, Willian, we we feel, rightly or wrongly, we feel that the Willian Robinson combo is really potent, right? Mm. So go with that because to actually bring out the best in Willian is something else because he's, you know, very very effective when he's hot. Um, I think S- Solomon has got such great individualistic skill, and his quality is so high that 
you know, he could he could be playing in Pereira's position, and if he gets the ball, he's a chance to do something damaging with it. And so yeah. even if he's slightly out of position, I'd roll the dice on that. I'm just having a look. It does look like he, he played a season on the right, although it wasn't a very good season for him, and it was six years ago now. So, and, it, you know, he played the very occasional game on the right while he was at Shakhtar as well, um, as in one or two games a year, um, obviously filling in more so. But um, you raised a good point that I was actually going to bring up as well, um, which is we've, we've seen a dip in form from Pereira recently. Solomon has played in attacking midfield before. Do you think putting Solomon in and giving Pereira a rest and maybe then putting Willian on the left and Bobby on the right could um, give us a bit of an interesting spark and, and change things up a bit because, uh, you know, we know how well Solomon drives at goal and, and he can score. I haven't seen the playmaking ability from Solomon so far. I don't think we've seen many crosses mm. from him or many um, really top-class passes yet. Uh, there's been a handful for sure, but I haven't seen that playmaking side to him. But do you think that might be an option, seeing as this I, could be considered a bit of a free hit? I cannot imagine. I cannot imagine um, Silva do, doing that and benching or, or leaving Pereira out, notwithstanding the fact that he, I think he's had a, a tough few weeks. And not only has he been <clears throat> quiet, I suppose, there's, seen, there's some frustration that's been creeping in because I think he's disappointed in his own performances. Mm. But how how can you leave him out in terms of his set piece quality? Yeah. Um, I mean, well, you've got William, Williams, who's also a very good Williams set piece not, for sure. But he's he's been very very good, and even in his ordinary games, look at last week that that free kick that resulted in a goal, which was almost a goal from his boot. He's mm. very good. And we, I, I think we haven't really got a decent replacement uh, for him. I don't, well, I don't, I, I don't believe. Well, I, I thought when we signed Sasa Lukic, like he's kind of playing in Polina role right now. But I actually thought that um, in his first couple of uh, outings, when he came off the bench, he actually came off for Pereira, if I'm not mistaken, and he essentially actually was playing that role. And like, I thought he actually looked pretty good there. Yeah, I, I wouldn't have thought he'll he like Lukic would displace Pereira. No, um, no, no. It's it's yeah. Look, it's it's more a um, a, you know, a hypothetical that maybe with Pereira's dip in form, you do make a couple of changes. Maybe Pereira is frustrated and actually just needs a rest. Mm. Um, and maybe you rest him before the Man United game coming up, which is one that he will really want to you know, make, make a big mark on and then you yeah. get Polina back at that point as well and then maybe you have a bit more clarity around, you know, you play Willian and BDR and look at it and go, actually, these two are our starters and we just have to find a way to get Solomon in because we can't leave him out. Um, and maybe things change because of that. Maybe at that point you have um, Solomon, Pereira, both playing in attacking mid and Polina does everything in defensive mid. Um, Jack, there's Jack. Can I can I can I pose a question to the group here? Yeah, um, because I do I do think we're actually touching on a very interesting point because I think like sides like Arsenal, Man City, um, not as much Man United, but they play incredibly system based football, whereas we're tailoring basically everything to our best performing players. And I'm wondering if that's actually kind of becoming a bit of a disservice for us because we can't really like 
chop and change as freely because we're like uh, one of our biggest stresses at the moment is we can't really fully fit William and Solomon in at the same time. And I'm wondering if that's like actually kind of working to our detriment right now. I, I know what you're saying, but I don't think we have any other choice. No, of course, of course, enough, of course. We don't have a big but, enough squad to be able to do that. We don't absolutely, but is that contributing to, to our either. fatigue? Like, is that like actually yeah, of getting course. us to our... Yeah, of course. I agree. We can't, I, we can't I think it rest is. players mm. because well, we don't have um, realistic backups for them who are going to do the job. I, I think that's totally understandable and definitely an issue that a lot of clubs in our position come up against when they have good seasons like this, where mm. you just can't find players to continue that good form all the time because, um, you know, you're not straight, scraping the bottom of the barrel is the wrong term, but we, we just don't have the the numbers um, and, and the talent to be able to do that. So, yeah, I, it's, a, it's a good point you make, but I just don't think we've got any other option. Um, no, of course not. But it's just like, yeah, it's it's important to note that we've got a very fragile ecosystem right now, and uh, that's that kind of stresses me out, <laughs> to be honest. But, but I mean, it, it's it's, the, it's something it's... we'll cover as well when when we get to some of the questions that have come in because it it is something that I, I wouldn't say it stresses me out at the moment because we're having a great season and mm, of course um, we're performing really well and you know if you gave anyone. 15th in the league before the season started, we would have bitten your hand off. Um, the fact is we're probably going to finish about 10th this year if we mm. have a bad end to the season. So um, it, it doesn't worry me, but there is a bigger question around what happens in the off-season, and yeah. we will discuss that later when we get into questions. You had a point there, Dad? Yeah, I, I, what I was going to say at the end of uh, the the previous set of comments, I was going to say, sadly... Um, I see Pereira and Reed getting flogged till the very last game here without a rest, because yeah. probably yeah yeah because and I really feel for them because they're they're in hard working positions, mm-hmm. and I just don't see a way out for them. You know, mm. um, maybe Reed and Lukic, you know, get into a real battle for that position and. Polina comes in and doesn't get another red or doesn't get another five yellow cards or red card and he holds his place. But who who's realistically going to replace Pereira unless you yeah. really try something creative? And he, you know, say what you like, but he runs his guts out every week. Totally he works really hard. He works really, really hard. He looks exhausted at the end of it. And mm. he's still got to produce the quality when he's completely knackered in the second half of the game. He's still got to produce the quality and the concentration from a dead ball opportunity, whether it's free kick or a corner, right? It's really difficult, difficult, difficult. But it's one of these situations that it highlights just how remarkable a job Marcus Silva is doing with the cards he's been dealt. Mm-hmm. And he, he's and it's 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 so often spoken about how he has been masterful, the way he's actually extracted the absolute optimum out of some of these players, some of these players who might be otherwise regarded as championship-level players. Like, you know, not being unfair, but guys like Robinson and and, and Tete and Reed are standouts. Um, but it, it if you're performing at that level with your, you know, cards in your hand 
it, it like you said, Tim, it is fragile. You, it, it has to be slip ups. There has to be burnouts. There has to be fatigue, because you just don't have the options. Mm, and I think yeah. we're now experiencing that end of the game where I wouldn't say we've had our fun and this it's all over and we've seen the best of it. But his challenge now is that how does he rejuvenate? How does he respark? And maybe in a Mitro, for example, I'll get back to that point. If he's such a emotional player, if Mitro scores, God forbid, scores two, he gets a brace. Mitro is such an excitable, emotional player. The way he gets up when he actually is performing well could be that spark that lifts the whole team and changes our fortunes a bit. And, mm. and actually gets life into an imagination and belief back into a, a team that are probably looking for a holiday. Mm. It's yeah. so annoying as well because these aren't really factors that you can control. Like you can't really control like... It's the differences though. It's the differences form. in sport, isn't it? Yeah. It's the differences and how little things change and affect your season and both can have a really damaging negative spiralling effect or turning it round and set you on a run to achieving things you had no right to achieve. Yeah, of course. I mean, if you, if you, oh no, I didn't say that. That's all about that. <laughs> if you, if you look at this game coming up and hypothetically, and I know it's a crazy hypothetical, but Mitro scores, Pereira scores. <clears throat> Let's say Mitro gets a last minute winner after Pereira scores a free kick earlier in the game. We beat Arsenal 2-1. All of a sudden, I reckon that oh. season turned around because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a massive result that gets the club up and running. Um, you've got your talisman who's really going through a barren patch at the moment, scoring his first goal in two months. You've got Pereira who's looking, you know, off, um, coming back and, and scoring a goal and getting that little boost. I, I think, you know, we do need that spark and I'm hoping it does come. Um a little comment here for our live viewers on YouTube. Reese Kemp says, Sam is back. Sam, do you have a fun game or quiz organized for today? I'm so devastated. I almost want to cry because Jack's actually come up with a really good new icon for it as well. So I je I'm so devastated that I actually don't have one for you, Reese. I think you need to but you need to put your head down for the next five minutes and scribble I'm one out on a piece I'm of paper. I'm so somewhere. sorry. Like I, I okay, I'm just gonna like vaguely scroll through what's pop culture right now. Just give me five okay. minutes. <laughs> uh, well, while you're doing that, Sammy, let's have a look at the Arsenal lineup. Um, I'll read through it now. This is. Um, similar to the lineup they played in the last game, we could expect to see some changes. A couple of bits of uh, team news from Arsenal. Uh, Trossard went off injured. He started as the central striker, actually, um, in the game against Bournemouth. He, he went off injured after 22 minutes, so he's possible to play. Um, most likely, we'll probably see, I'm guessing, Reese Nelson up front because I believe Eddie Nketia also has a bit of an injury as well. Uh, but going through the Arsenal team, based on a few little bits of news that I know of at the moment, we've got Ramsdale starting in goal. Um, across the back, Tomiyasu, Saliba, Gabriel and Zinchenko have been a brilliant back four all season so far. Thomas Partey uh, plays in that defensive midfield position, or as Sam calls it, down central central down midfield. I think um, I call it centre down midfield. Yeah, I call it centre down, down midfield. midfield. Classic. Yeah, yeah I'm still um, with that. <laughs> I, I, in the I think that's going to stick around. I've I got a feeling that's going to stick around, Jack. It better. It better. Centre down midfield, Thomas Partey. Um, in the centre midfield, uh, Odegaard, who 
um, as a young skipper is just having a superb season. And, you know, He's we always brilliant. knew he was going to be class when he got snapped up by Real Madrid at 15 or however old he was. Um, but he's actually coming through now and proving that he's a seriously good player and he's had a great year so far. Um, Fabio Vieira as well, having a good year in the centre for Arsenal. And then on the wings, we've got Saka on the right and Martinelli on the left. We know how dangerous they both are. They're scoring goals for fun at the moment and they just look dangerous going forward. It's going to be a real task for uh, Robinson and Tete um, to sort of get a handle on those two because they, they're dangerous when they go forward. And then up front, I've put Reese Nelson in there, but we could see Trossard if he's overcome that injury. Uh, we could see Nketiah if he's overcome his little knock as well. Um, Dad, you know, you, you said yourself that um, you haven't followed Arsenal super closely this season, but looking at that team, uh, do you see any weaknesses there or anything that we should be exploiting? <laughs> Can I say no? <laughs> um, and that is a fine answer. I, I mean, it's a fine answer, man. Like, they're, they're top of the league uh, for a reason. Like, we got yeah, to be look, honest. They, they, look, they, they, they have been. I can't say leaking goals, but they haven't been keeping clean sheets to uh, to to teams who I don't regard as really tough opposition. So th that tells you there are opportunities, and I'm with you, Jack. And not only can any footballer or any striker in the Premier League score a goal against anyone individually, they're all that good. Someone like Mitro and Pereira and uh, Solomon and Willian, man, they can score against anyone. So I'm, not, I'm never saying we couldn't put one past Ramsdale or two. Uh, you know, yeah. if, if, if Bournemouth can score two goals against um, Arsenal and really get them to chase the game, but then fail to manage it, why can't we do better than that? Yeah, I, look, I, I not, do agree I'm with that. I think... I'm not calling it. I'm not predicting it. I'm not calling it. But I'm not going to say that that could never happen at all. I know that's a pretty rubbish sort of no, bit of punditry. This, but... this does feel very much like a game of, well, it, it could happen. Um, hmm. where, where We're sort of veering away from it and saying, not wanting to say we're going to get pumped, but at the same time... But that's know, the definition of a free hit, isn't it? It is. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, look, I, I think looking at this lineup, the only real weakness I see, and I wouldn't even call it that much of a weakness, but uh, is Tommy Asu at right back. Um, and I think if you're playing Solomon or Willian on the left, coming up against Tommy Asu, I think there's there's the potential there. He's he's quite tall, and I wouldn't say he's quite as agile as some of the wing backs that um, we come up against in the league. Zinchenko, different story. He's a very solid um, and quite nimble uh, left back, but Tommy Asu probably doesn't have that ability. Um, and so I think that might be where we, we see a goal come from. I, I reckon if Manuel Solomon's playing against him, he could mm. cause him some mm. real issues. Or William. The one thing to say, though, is, you know, it is a very, apart from Zinchenko, it is a very tall back line. Saliba, Gabriel, mm, Tomiyasu are all, are all big bodies. And so I think Mitro is going to struggle a little bit there. Um, I, I'm, I'd also say I think if we did have Polina playing, um, it's, not the, it's not the most uh, burly midfield that Arsenal have. Odegaard, Vieira are quite slight. Partey's strong, but he's 
he's not a big boy. And so I feel like Polina could have bossed that midfield a little bit and got himself about and, you know, made a bit of a nuisance of himself. Um, so it's, it's a shame that we don't have him. And obviously we will say it over and over again when he's not playing. Um, uh, I, I think that could have been a little, a little in there for us. And, you know, the other thing as well, I think Saka Nelson and Martinelli up front and whoever um, Arsenal play up front, again, they're not tall players. So I feel like Diop and Reem, who are both very good in the air, should hopefully have a handle of any crosses coming in. They do like to play the ball along the floor. Um, mm. But I think we've been very good this season with interceptions. I think Tim Ream reads the game superbly and hopefully he can cut out some of those. And we know that Tete one-on-one is is also superb as well. So I'm hope, hopeful that he can cut out any sort of danger coming from Martinelli. Um, Saka's going to be tough. I think that's going to be a tough day for Robinson. And I think mm. that might be where the Arsenal goals come from down their right wing uh, with Odegaard and Saka sort of linking up there. I think we, we could be in for a tough day, but uh, we sort of knew that beforehand anyway. Um, let's move on and have a look at my top tip, gamble responsibly. Um, so as <laughs> as we know, I like to um, have a bit of a look around the, the betting apps and see what is out there and um, a slightly different one this week because – most of the time we're going for a full and win. This time around, um, it's an eleven dollar. Oh. He's paying exceptional odds. I think it's about seven dollars, which for someone who's scored five goals in five games and having only played I think he's only played like hundred and eighty minutes for those five goals, which is just insane. Um, those odds are very, very tempting. I've gone with a double chance of Arsenal and a draw. Um, Like we've sort of said, we can't really see this one going um, Fulham's way. I think if it does go our way, we sneak a draw. But realistically, this is an Arsenal win. Um, I've gone for over two and a half goals. I do see Fulham actually scoring in this game um, through Mano Solomon. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, there there was a stat that popped up that against... um, newly promoted sides in all but one game, which was the game... No, sorry, in all games against newly promoted sides this season, uh, it's it's been over two and a half goals for Arsenal. That includes the, the 2-1 victory against us early in the season. So they either score a lot of goals or it's a 2-1 win. So I think over two and a half goals is a pretty good bet here. Um, like I said, that gives you odds of $11, which I think for a multi-bet that doesn't seem overly out of the question... Um, is actually pretty good odds, guys. Any any thoughts on that? Do you see Do you see this one coming in? Sure. I see. I, I see Solomon scoring. I do see Solomon potentially scoring. To be honest, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be a battering. I just don't think we're going to win. So, like, I think, I think, um, I think, I think Solomon scoring is a very good bet. From memory, I think Solomon scoring was paying seven dollars fifty, which just That's seems good. outrageous. And I, I think. Yeah. That that's where the statistics comes into it, saying how many times has someone ever scored six goals in a row? Um, so really they're saying, you know, it, it surely can't continue. Uh, I'm saying it does. Dad, you, well, your thoughts? So you have a, a good statistician. A good, a good statistician would tell you that those are independent events and therefore entirely possible, particularly when you're that good. 
And also he has no previous form, you know, for any statistician to be basing this on. So I'm going, I, I'm saying once again, the underdog here flies under the radar. And I don't think these odds reflect true probabilities or likelihood of outcome. I, I guess the, the reason Solomon, I just looked it up, he is paying $7.50 for an anytime goal scorer. Um, for someone who's scored five and five, that just seems yeah, that's crazy just, that's, to me. Yeah, that's that's not good bookie ship or whatever the word is. Bookie ship. Bookie ship. Yeah, it's a word. Yeah. Yeah, I just made that up and it's a I word. love um, that. That's good. That's good. Considering that down midfield. Solomon's Solomon's <laughs> odds are very similar to Gabrielle's odds for Arsenal scoring in the game. I guess what they're putting it down to is the fact that they're not expecting Fulham to score full stop. Um yeah. If we look at both teams to score, the odds for that um, is is about evens. Um, so yes, but that doesn't make sense. Pat. No one ninety two doesn't make sense. If, if Bournemouth scores two against Arsenal just last week, how can they say Fulham scores nothing? And who's the most likely goal scorer of Fulham? Solomon. Yeah, well, they're in here. There's, they've got pretty much everyone else ahead of them. Um, Mitro, Vinicius, Harry Wilson. Willian, yeah. Dan James, Pereira, Deckard over Reed, and Mano Solomon. Um, yeah. The fact that Dan James is paying $6.50 and Solomon's paying $7.50, um, just uh, that's why that really break. stands out to me. Hasn't that's done why it stands break. out to me, um, that's which is stats. kind of strange. Um, and then, yeah, obviously the Arsenal and draw double chance. Um, that's just to cover your, cover your bet, really. I, I still think, realistically, you could probably put uh, just a straight-out Arsenal win there, um, which would increase the odds very slightly, I believe. Um, and then the over two-and-a-half goals, that basically doubles the odds um, from what we have there. So, look, I, I think it's... it's. I mean, as as with any time you bet, um, it's a possibility. It's not 100% for sure, but... Gamble um, responsibly. Gamble yeah. responsibly. But I think um, when you're looking at odds of $11 for something that, to me, I, I see a 2-1 win to Arsenal with Solomon scoring Fulham's goal. Yeah, if, if you If you spruiked that before a game, um, everyone would go, yeah, that sounds like it could happen. Um, and to get $11 odds for something like that seems like a very, very good value bet. Um, and like we say, you know, this isn't actually about making money. It's about looking at how the bookies are viewing it and I guess how the media in general are viewing it yeah. and trying to find yeah. those little... Um, opportunities um, and no, it's not even quirks. it's not even opportunities to make money. It's actually a, qu a just, quirk, is what I meant there. Sorry. Yeah, it, it's actually um, looking at you're, you're dead right to analyze. You're analyzing how the bookies and the media are viewing this because the bookies must largely be trading off what the media say and what the pundits say. Mm. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So. Moving on, before we get into the questions, and we did have quite a few questions come in uh, through Twitter, um, I just want to pull up one specific tweet, um, and I don't want to talk about it for too long because it's it's a subject that's been covered multiple times over the last few years, but the tweet tickled me today, um, and purely because of the fact that it was in a different language, but I still understood it perfectly. Um, this is the tweet here from Club Bruges. Scott Parker is Niet Langer Hoofde coach van Club Bruges. Um, yeah. Particularly you don't have to be a linguist. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, a- anyone who, who can speak a lick of English can work out. Scott Parr, and I, I saw a very funny tweet, and I, I wish I remembered who it was and could find it again. But um, someone saying, and Sammy, I'll let you do this. Um, can you say this tweet, but in a Scottish accent, please? Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Wait. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Scott Parker is neat language van Club Bridge. A terrible accent, but that ain't bad. Also, that ain't bad. I'm so glad I got you to do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Make yeah. that a soundbite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get Alfie to do of, that um... next. Get Alfie to do that next. <coughs> uh, sorry. News out of um, Club Bruges. Scott Parker is no longer the head coach of Club Bruges. Um, he copped the sack after, I think it was a 7-0 aggregate drubbing um, in the Champions League uh, knockout stages. And, you know, he's he's had a very poor, poor, poor um, time at Bruges. He's only been there three months. I think they've only won two games in that time. They were promotion, um, not promotion, um, you know, favourites to actually do well and potentially win the league, and they've dropped right off. Um, uh, and I, I just thought it was something that is worth worth noting. Um, and like I said, that tweet just really tickled me, and I, I really enjoyed Scott Parker's Neat Langer Hoofcoach van Club Bruges. Do you know what really annoys me about Scott Parker? I'm going to talk <laughs> about this because I want to talk about it. Because, like, you know, we've talked about this a you got, million you got times. 30 seconds. Yeah. Okay, cool. I just hate comments because I see them all the time of just being like, no, I'll be a great manager one day. Yeah, we love him. Yeah, no, good on him. Yeah, he's great. He, he, he's great. It's just because he's an English player. If he was like Spanish or Dutch, he would be flight out, but he's got a bit of a profile just because of like, who he was and it just annoys me that he just keeps on getting opportunity he was scott parker was a champions league manager that is a sentence yep i'm done moving on anyway uh questions um sammy i'll throw it to you first this is from uh dalton d chain on twitter um dalton says what positions do we sign to big money deals this next off season so um, I think it's it's about who we've currently got in the squad, who we make sure we lock down, and also um, which positions you think we need to strengthen and, and try and keep it short without going too deep into it. Yeah, I'll actually I will keep it short actually. Um, uh, controversially, I think that we do need to sign um, and put some big money down on a younger defender. We love Tim Ream, we love the story, but. Uh, long-term options we're, we're in a position where we can actually lure in some good talent so i think we should be thinking of the future there um same same as well for mitrovic i mean i know we're speaking like large like i know i know he's only about like 28 but still um there is a lot of great young talent uh in uh, our squad um, but there's also a lot of older boys as well. So I think really it would just be beefing the positions of people who are getting slightly older. If we sign Solomon, amazing. We've kind of got that kind of like covered. But even like Bobby Decadova reed he's like, what, 30? Maybe pushing 31? So mm. I think just across the park, obviously um, replacement-wise for like Pereira, that's, that's a no-brainer. But I think we should start realistically thinking about younger talent in positions that we've kind of taken for granted and we'll do what uh, avoid doing what uh, you guys are actually talking about the other day and just holding on to players for that little bit too long and just getting a bit complacent. Yep. Dad, same. 
keep it short? Yeah, I think Kazawa goes and leaves Fulham. Mm. Um, and I think, uh, obviously, um, Cedric is only on loan. Uh, we, I'd, I'd say we need uh, a left and a right back replacement or backup. We need another centre back. Um, Tosin probably gets swapped out, but even uh, I wouldn't mind if he stayed. You heard it from me. And uh, I, I think uh, we obviously uh, we, we, we know we need a backup for Pereira. Clearly, we've got to spend money on keeping Solomon. Striker, no-brainer. And I think Harry Wilson and um, Dan James leave and we bring in bigger guns to compete for left and right wing. Yeah. Yep, I, I would agree. I think... Um... It's pretty much across the board we, we need to strengthen. Um, in terms of big money, I'd, I'd be throwing some big money at a, at a striker, if not a backup striker, or maybe a striker who can also play on the wing. Um, I think we need to make sure we nail down Solomon. I think we need some strength across the defence as well. Um, you know, like, like we said, I think there's actually going to be a lot of outgoings this summer. I think we're going to see quite a number of players leaving the club. Um, who have been squad players this season. Like you said, Kazawa, James, Suarez, probably Harry Wilson, um, mm. maybe Tosin, maybe even Anthony Robinson goes, maybe Polina goes. Like there's the potential for a bit of a gutting here. Um, so there's there's some strengthening required. Um, uh, but I think in terms of big money, I'd like to see us throw it at a striker, a really good backup striker, because I think we're, we're chancing it a bit by bringing in Vinicius on loan and it's just not mm. been good enough. I think we need someone who we can genuinely rotate Mitro with. Um, well, well Mo Mooney's was the prior example of that. So we've actually, you know, both Mooney's and Vinicius, not terrible players, good prospects, but they haven't worked out. Yeah. I would, um, I would, yeah, no, yeah. Sorry, you go. Yeah, yeah no. Um, next, <laughs> next one is from Ash here, who's obviously joined us on the podcast at Ash W. Wolford on Twitter and obviously at FFC and me on Twitter as well. Ash says, after an extremely disappointing game on Monday night, do we consider changing shape a bit for this game by either playing a second striker for a variation of play or do we even go at five at the back because of the Arsenal attack or do we keep it as is and just hope we control the game better? Dad, do you think it's worth um, a change of a change of shape or do you think we stick with what we know? I think uh, interesting ideas, but given... What I believe I I know of Marcus Silva, I think he's quite conservative. I think he has fairly fixed ideas. I don't think he's one for just shuffling the pack, throwing it up in there, seeing seeing how it lands, or even coming out with something really controversially different. The two up front as just a random idea, great idea, but we there, there have been moments in games where we've had two up front, and for me, if we had a high quality Premier League level striker doing that alongside Mitrovic, that might be really exciting and very interesting, but it hasn't worked, has it? Mm. Ne never has it worked or seemed to be really potent. So I can't see him trying that. Um, I, I think just system-wise, he wouldn't go for five at the back. I think there have been a few moments, I can't remember when, against who, but we have had five against the back. I think Duffy came on once and was yeah. one of the five at the back. Um, I can't see. Just system-wise, I think he's so heavily uh, kind of rooted in 
to what they practice on the training ground. I think that would be way too far for Marco Silva to bring a totally different structure yeah. against a team like Arsenal because it could backfire so incredibly badly. Yeah, it's too yeah. risky. You did that against Sunderland. Yeah, no, I, I think we all agree there that uh, I think realistically and knowing Marco as we know him, which we don't based on <laughs> us constantly trying to predict him, um, I, I can't see him making huge sweeping changes to a formula that's worked really well for us for his whole time as manager. Um, it, it's possible because it, it could be considered a bit of a free hit, but I, I wouldn't have thought I'd see us go to five at the back. Um, and I doubt a second striker in this game, knowing how good Arsenal are going forward, taking someone away from what would be a defensive position would be a bit of a risk, I think. Um, moving on to our next question. This one's from P. Becker on Twitter, who's at Colts559. Which youth player will make the squad next season, uh, if any, uh, who's most likely? And is there a championship player you'd like to poach for next year? Um, Sammy, I'll start with you. Youth player? Oh, oh, that's a really good question. I mean, I I want to say Stansfield, but it's I think it's probably more likely to be uh, Luke Harris. If if I'm just um, talking about players that we've seen, honestly, I think if um, we do have somebody come through the youth ranks, I think we're dealing with a completely new player. Just I think um, people develop. Uh, differently and I mean we've we've seen it a thousand times where you'll have like a really really strong youth player when they're really really strong where they're like between the ages of like 15 17 and then just kind of like drift off and then you have players that turn 18 and then all of a sudden they just completely hit their stride so, so you're I reckoning think, we're going to see someone just come out of nowhere basically I think so yeah I think if um I think if there was going to be a player in that conversation in the same way that like Carvalho just kind of like came into the starting lineup even in the last two games of like Scott Parker's tenure like you could just see it he was just out and running um yeah I think I think if there's going to be a new player we would have already seen it by now from the youth team and I think that that's still to come we have a really good youth squad so yeah, okay. And a championship player, or are you not a huge follower of the championship? Not 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 enough. Um honestly, I was I was a much more avid follower last season, but I feel that all of like the good players have actually been poached by um like I would have said somebody like um Adam Armstrong, but I'm pretty sure he's actually gone to um Southampton because I re- I really like him. Um yeah, I, I can't. I can't think. Of, like, I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not as well versed. I, I've never claimed to be an expert. I'm just claimed to enjoy Fulham. Yeah, um, Dad. Same to you. Which youth player will make the squad next season? I really want to believe that Luke Harris is going to make it, but I'm. I'm just mm. not sure or convinced at the moment. I'm not seeing it. Um, he's had uh, a, a couple of small outings in. You know, in, in in some of the um, uh, FA Cup games, I thought he did okay. He certainly did embarrass himself. Didn't look like he didn't look like he didn't belong. That's a terrible st- double negative. But <laughs> I, I don't think he was wildly impressive. Not in the same way that Carvalho certainly burst onto the scene and immediately looked like a high impact player. Might have been a bit rough or a little bit raw, but he looked 
like he could be someone who could fit in quite quickly. Mm. Um, not, not totally seeing that. Um, not totally seeing that with uh, uh, Luke, Luke Harris. Harris. Mm. Yeah. Um, what was the name of that championship player that we were recently connected with? Um, the, the striker that we were talking about. Uh, Gil Carez from Coventry. Yeah. What's the, what's the latest on that? Uh, I, I have seen again that we are interested and we maybe have opened talks. I don't know how much is uh, is true in that reporting, but, I, I, you know, he, he would probably be my pick as well. Um, the other person, uh, I'll just take over now, the other person I think would be a really good Go pick-up would be uh, Ben Brereton-Diaz from Blackburn. Oh, who, true, actually. He's only 23, had mm. a really, really good season last year. I'm not sure how he's going this season so far. Um, uh, but I, I think when you've got a young player like that, he's he's already worth a fair whack. Um, he's got mm. 10 goals and 32 appearances. I think he scored 20-plus last season. Um, you know, he, he looks like the kind of player who would be a really, really good pickup for Fulham, um, a young striker who's proven to score goals. I think the problem with... Vinicius a little bit is that he he wasn't a proven goal scorer. He'd scored mm. a handful of goals, but we we need someone who's you know banging them in a little bit more regularly. Brereton Diaz, a Jamie has, Vardy. Yeah, yeah, but everybody I mean, needs to try finding Vardy. someone like that. But <laughs> yeah. I mean, Brereton Diaz, he's played a hundred. He plays on both wings as well. He's played a hundred games uh, as a central striker and scored thirty odd goals. He's also played 50 games on the left wing and 40 games on the right wing as well. So it's one of those options where you could use him as a backup winger, but you'd also have him as your backup striker. I think your Perez is a, a pretty similar option there. Go on, Sam. Uh, I just I just came up with one. I would take Job Bellingham from Birmingham just to be basic and just to roll with the genetic statistics. <laughs> I mean, it's probably not the worst idea. I did yeah. think he actually got signed up by... Um, um, uh, wherever uh, is it Dortmund? Yeah, Joe, Dortmund. Joe Belling, Jude Bellingham's at. Yeah, I thought yeah. he got signed up by Dortmund, but not hundred percent sure there. Um, and in terms of the youth player to make the squad next season, I could see Tyrese Francois actually having a good year for us. I know he's mm. not made a huge impact, and I think you know Luke Harris is the obvious option, but I think Francois is um, a decent little player playing in centre mid. Um, I don't think he's had an opportunity yet. Maybe we're just saying that, or I'm just saying it because um, he's uh, he's Australian as well. But mm-hmm. he's getting some appearances now um, while he's on loan, which I think is really positive. Um, he's obviously back at Fulham now after his his loan deal. He was out in Croatia, I think, for a while, um, and had a pretty good spell. They got a few few appearances under his belt. Um, the other one who's having a really good loan spell at the moment is Tay Ashby Hammond. He's a goalkeeper. Um, I can't remember exactly which team he's at, which is going to really annoy me. Uh, let me quickly look it up. He is currently playing for Stevenage. Now, admittedly, it's not the the heights of uh, you know the Premier League or even the Championship, but we see it a lot with keepers. And you look at people like Joe Hart and... Um, Who's the Everton keeper, the England keeper? What's his face? Uh, Pickford. Uh, Pickford. You know, they go out on these loan deals to lower league clubs. And the best thing about it, and it's what you don't see with some of these outfield players, they don't get the opportunity when they're playing outfield. 
But when you're a young keeper, you're given the opportunity at a lower league club. He's got, um, you know, 130 appearances under his belt now as a 23-year-old. He spent three years at Maidenhead. Um, he's spent a year now at Boreham Wood, and now he's up in League Two. And I saw he's he's currently injured, and I saw a really interesting Twitter thread, which was a Stevenage fan breaking down why their team is um, so much worse off while Ashby Hammond is injured because he's saying he has this huge influence. And it, it, it sort of read like we would write an article if Bernd Leno got injured and Rodak had to come in goal. Um, he was saying Ashby Hammond is confident. They, I, said, I, said, I saw a comment, someone saying, if a nuclear bomb dropped, Tay Ashby Hammond would still be standing at the bar sipping on his beer. Yeah. Um, he's that cool, calm and collected. And I think he's not going to get a start anytime soon over Bernd Leno. But I'd like to see someone like that actually come through and maybe take Rodak's position as the cup keeper. And um, that could be quite an interesting one next year because he's been on our books for a very long time. I think he spent his whole youth career at Fulham. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty sure he joined as like a 10-year-old or something like that. So he's been with us for, for years and years and years. He's got a couple of England under-16s and under-17s caps under his belt. I'd, I'd really like to see him actually come through and get a few games. Um, just a weird little one that I saw on Twitter, which I thought was really interesting. Um, we've come to the end of the podcast, and um, fortunately for you, Reese, especially, um, Sam has managed to come up with something. And for those of us following along live, I've managed to expertly Photoshop a hat onto Sam's head. Um, Sam, what do we got? Uh, this is the dumbest one. This is this is so dumb. So okay, uh, Tony Khan, the megalomaniac genius that he is, is taking over. In this scenario, he is taking over all the major television networks. So what that means is he needs to recast um, some of his television shows, but. Obviously, he wants to promote Fulham while he's doing that. So, in this scenario, we're recasting Friends with, um, with Fulham, with Fulham players. This, okay. this is what I came up with, Reese. God bless you. Yeah. This very is someone... well, I have to give you something because that's not a bad idea. Yeah, yeah, you know, this is some of my finest work. Okay, so start, and like, I'll just refresh your memory on um, on Friends. So uh, let's let's start with um, Phoebe Buffay, chaotic, but also kind of brilliant. So, Robinson or Kazawa? Mm. Kazawa. He seems a bit loopy to yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah, not, not, not Robinson. Robinson's too analytical, and he, he plays piano mm-hmm. fairly classically, does magic card tricks. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a, seems a bit of an ordered thinker. Phoebe Have Buffet. you seen him talk, though? He's very... <laughs> no, Phoebe Buffet is... She's an Aries, man. An Aries? Or possibly you a Capricorn. Astro- you with astrology. I was not expecting that. You've gone down in my estimations there, Dad. Okay. Go I'm on, just Sammy, showing the, my, the depth and breadth of my knowledge. Monica Geller. Pereira or Reed? Harrison. I didn't Reed. know she had a second name. Um, uh, probably I'm Reed. Picking, yeah, just I that manic, Reed's, 
Yeah. Chaos. Yep. Um, uh, see, then, see, no, hang on. So, Monica. Um, no, Bit uptight. Yeah, very OCD. Yeah, that, that, Pereira. Pereira. Pereira is Pereira. too laid back. Pereira is you too reckon, laid back. Right? No, I think, yeah. I, think he's, I think he's quite anxiously uh, Latin, actually. Uh, maybe. Anxiously Latin maybe. is a sentence that you said. Okay. This, I quite like this one. I quite like this one. Chandler Mitrovic or Harrison Wilson? Oh, sorry. Harry Wilson. Harrison, Harrison Wilson. Wilson. Um, just passionate. Mitro. I'm just thinking flailing. I'm just thinking Mitro, down on themselves. Yeah. Yeah, just I think the, the wild mood swings, Metro. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, now, uh, Dad, did you have? Did you have? No, no. I, I was going to go Metro only on the basis that it's definitely not Harry Wilson. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Rachel Solomon or William? William. <laughs> it's all about the hair. Really? I was going <laughs> to yeah. say Solomon. I was no, with Rachel. Solomon. Rachel was all about the hair. I think William's all about the hair. Fair enough. Fair um, enough. Okay. I'm not seeing either of them. <laughs> um, Joey, Tom Kearney or Shane Duffy? Tom Kearney. Uh, Tom, Tom Kearney. No, not man. only. Apparently, Tom, Tom Kearney, by all accounts, is a massive joker. And he's constantly it, yeah. taking the piss. And, you oh, know, so Shane Duffy's doing well. that as well. Duffy's the same. Um, uh, okay. But but Kenny for the for the looks for me. All right, okay. The gorgeous, right, okay. gorgeous man. All right. <laughs> okay. And Alfie's new favorite player as well. He's moved on from Metro because the the poor form, I think. But. Oh bless. And this what this one's my favorite: Ross Geller, Marco Silva, or Polina. Ooh, I think Marco Silva actually. I think so. Well. I'm, going, I'm going Polina. I fair think. enough. Red Ross um, Rage. Yeah, uh, and I think um, Polina probably likes dinosaurs. I could see that. No, fully paid. Paid in full. I'll give you that one. You think you think Marco Silva doesn't have any any rage? Uh, I think Polina's secretly geeky. Very cool, but also secretly quite geeky. I don't think he's secretly geeky. He looks pretty no, geeky. No, I don't think he's any secretly. just looks like yeah, he could I, kill I you. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yep. I was going to say that's you did well there, Sammy, for for knocking that together last minute. I, I commend you. Thank you. I was doing that while you were doing the Arsenal lineup. To be honest, <laughs> uh, it's probably a more exciting thing than talking about Arsenal. To be fair, um, so look, guys, let's wrap it up there. It's been um, good to actually talk through this game. I, you know, I think we we've sort of agreed that it feels like a bit of a free hit, um, and hopefully we take that chance and we get those chances. Hopefully, Mitro gets his head on one. Scores a goal. Maybe we upset the odds a little bit here and um, and see Fulham walk away with. Uh, I think even one point from this game would be a really good result for us. Uh, if we took all three, it would be insane. So, um, look, um, Sammy, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I apologise for my tiredness and manic energy, but I feel like it added some extra sauce. Yeah, you did good. <laughs> and Dad, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed the chat, and uh, yeah, uh, good, 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 good podcast, lads. Uh, a big thank you as well to everyone who's followed us along on the live stream on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch. Uh, it's really appreciated. Um, we also really appreciate everyone who's followed us on Twitter. Um, please make sure you do, you know, share all of our content. 
so that more Fulham fans can discover the podcast and get involved. Uh, we really, really enjoy doing this. We do it for the fans. So, guys, until next time, come on, you whites. <laughs>